This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, episode 141. Glenn Larson. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend's plumber. Superman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that he created something, so we have a creative God. This is Strangers of Aliens Podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of Strangers and Aliens. I am Ben, Ben Avery, and I have been joined by my friend... Steve McDonald. Yes. The murder that wouldn't die. <laughs> and why that's funny and what that even means, you will know momentarily, everyone. But it is... I don't understand... The phrase, I don't – we'll just get into it later. Okay. Uh, Dr. Jace O'Neill is not with us this week. Um, Lamentably new. Yeah, but he will be hopefully next week. Um, we wish him well. And I don't know why I said that because there's really actually nothing going on other than he t- didn't feel like he had a lot to add to this conversation and, and he had some other things he needed to do this week. So it wasn't like, oh, yeah, they're having another baby or, oh, he's like – in the hospital because he was <laughs> celebrating so bad with uh, his really terrible fantasy football record. Yeah. Boy, that guy. <laughs> that fantasy football league that we have going right now. <laughs> Where it, the person who knows the least about football is in first place. <laughs> <laughs> it's upside down. That's why I was telling uh, Daniel the other day. This Not league really, is... because I'm on the bottom. Are you? <laughs> yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I keep forgetting. I, it's like Thursday, and I'm like, ooh, I gotta, and I'm driving the bus, and of course I have stuff that's going on right after work, and I'm like, well, what am I gonna do? Oh, halfway through, you know, I'm crazy. You know what helps with mine actually what? is, um, I got this new phone, and there's an ESPN app, mm-hmm. and it reminds me, sends me information and stuff like that. And then that makes me think, oh, I can get on that app right now and just switch some players around. That'd be fun. I don't know who these people are. I just know that they're, you know, predicted to be this many points or that many points. Right. And yeah. So the standings right now for this this is basically it's the podcaster league here. Yeah. In eighth place is BJ McAlrath uh from the Green Screen Podcast. Mm-hmm. I guess you can still kind of count that as a podcast right now. Um, it exists as a podcast. It's just not continuing as one right now. Not producing. All right. Tied for sixth. Tied for sixth with a four and seven record is Strangers and Aliens, Steve McDonald, and the Midgard Manglers, Matt Anderson. There you go. Smack dab right there in the middle. Fifth. Fifth. 
Flakes. is Dr. Solid. Jace. Solid. Dr. Pick. Jace's Wolverine's uh, five and six record. Uh, Kobe Radcliffe, the honorary stranger and it's alien. Nailed down at fourth place. Six and five, fourth place. He was holding record. first place for a long time, wasn't he? Yeah. Until until I beat him. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's how it worked. I, I was asking Daniel, like, is he losing on purpose now? Because this is not looking good. Because he was beat by, uh, I believe he was beat by B.J. McAlrath last last week. Wow. Um, so anyway, uh, tied for second is David Hunt and Daniel Butcher. Daniel from Welcome to Level 7. David Hunt from the Geek This Podcast. They both have a seven and four record, and then in first place with a the, five game winning streak, the six one six Guardians. <laughs> and that's me. Wow. Yeah, I. It, well, here's the thing: is it was kind of funny because I beat some of the guys who had a much better record than me, and I started really just trash talking because the trash talk was based on I should be losing and I beat you. Yeah, and then all of a sudden I have this winning record, and so I was just like, "Okay, I know I'm going to start losing again, and <laughs> I know I'm going to get it back <laughs> in spades." So, yeah. yeah, it hasn't happened, has it? Not yet, but no. I, I, you know, I'm up against Matt Anderson next, and actually the the app projected our score to be a tie score. Cool. Um, which would be really cool. I, I would love to see a tie on this, but um, that's what the app is pr- predicting. But yeah, I, <laughs> I don't, he's winning right now. Is he? Yeah, he yeah, has, but it's he Thursday, has, right? <laughs> he has three uh, points and I have zero. So, yeah. but anyway, yeah. Uh, so Doctor Jace is not here. I I can't state definitively that it's because of the the uh, the football league. Although the football league is basically his little baby. I mean, this was his this was his idea in the first place. He loves fantasy football, and yeah. um, I, I I I'm in a situation where I feel bad that I'm actually like beating people because I don't deserve it. No, uh, it's just it just worked out the way it worked out. So what a crazy random happenstance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not complete. Yeah, it's a happenstance more than a uh, you know like a coincidence. Right, yeah. You know, because I am actually trying mm-hmm. to strategize and trying to figure out this thing, and I'm doing much better figuring it out this year than I did last year. That is for sure. Yeah, so. and I'm just my my brain. I tried to I tried to do this thing where like on Tuesday, you know, I'd get the scores and then I'd look at, at uh, who's who's going to be free agents or whatever. I don't know what it, what's called, but you have to put in a bid for them or something and then it yeah i don't understand that the, part at all all the bids it, it's it's weird so if someone else got them before you blah, blah blah but anyway then that would all process and then what was it wednesday or thursday then it would be the time to because now they're free now you can just get them and you don't have to worry about going through someone else see that's what i wait for because i don't understand the other part so this is just where i can go and say oh i'll see if i have any guys who I get have, have better points there and I'll click yeah. on it and if it lets me take them great and if it doesn't then I'll drop the player that I have to I'm I'm looking at this not so much as a football fan but more as a like a you know strategy card game or something like that yeah um and, and it, you know what my my strategy was that I would get ones who have a player rank that is really high because I figured if their player rank was really high they would be one of the better players yeah, how'd and that like, work then? 
Well, you know, I get them and then I plug them in and then like they tank. <laughs> or like like here's here's my list this this week. We have uh, a, one quarterback who's questionable, two running backs that are questionable, a tight end that's questionable, a flex guy who's questionable, my kicker is questionable, and then I have a couple of probables. And I'm like, you know, any 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 of these guys could just show up and be like, oh, I'm not going to play this game because they're questionable or probable. So you know, I have a guy now. That, I had like every, every single one of my running backs tanked or they're injured or something. So I, I got this guy. He's 119th is his rank. So, but you know, it's because he only played the last two games. I don't even like the way they rank them. They, 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 they make the average number of points. Like this guy, his average number of points is 0.6. But he's played two games and he has like 12 points. Or six points. He has six points after two games. But since they average it over the course of the entire season, not just the games that he's played, his average is point six. So he's 119th. It's it's just dopey. <laughs> well, I don't understand all of that, uh, but I yeah. And you know what I hate? The bye weeks. Well, that's <sighs> what that's what killed me last year. I got four guys on a bye week. Well, I would have a bye week. And then not realize it, and then my quarterback was like, "That who was on the bench would get thirty points." And yeah, but we're not here to talk about no. fantasy football. We're here to talk about fantasy, but not fantasy football. Right. You know what I'm holding in my hands here? I can only imagine. You can because you can't see. <laughs> I'm holding a book that was written by a man named Glenn A. Larson. That is the novelization of a television movie called Battlestar Galactica. Whoa. Saga of a Star World. And it, actually the book has two two novels in it from from the series. But that's what we're here to talk about is Glenn A. Larson, who passed away, uh, I believe it was late last week. A couple of days ago, yeah. And we don't normally do a... Um, a tribute episode to people who have passed away or um, a, uh, I don't know what you would call it. Not a, not, not a, not a tribute episode, but... Just a, a memoriam. Yeah. We, we don't normally do that kind of thing no. uh, on Strangers and Aliens. Part of it is just to be timely because, you know, after a while that that's not as big of a... Uh, big. It's not as big on the public conscience or whatever. And we have 140 episodes that you can pick and choose from. So you might not pick the ones that are like rest in peace. So-and-so, but, but this guy, yeah, this guy, his, his fingerprints are all over modern science fiction and his fingerprints are all over my childhood. Yes. yes. I mean, and that's why when, when I saw that he had passed away, um, we, we've run it by each other numerous times when someone will, We'll die and we'll say, should we do an episode? And usually, well, no. Almost always the answer has been no. But this time I I mentioned to, to you guys and, and Dr. Jason like, I'm not against it. And, and you were like, I don't. I think you said, I'm not against it either. So that, that's, so two not against. that's a quorum. We'll yeah, four. right? Yeah. yeah. So, so we're going to talk about Glenn Larson. And a lot of this is really going to be kind of pointing back to my childhood and maybe to your adolescence, Steve. Am I, am I, <laughs> well, and you know, pre-adolescence because we're talking, 
His work goes back into the early 70s. No, his work goes back into the 66 with The Fugitive. Yeah, his first writing credit, story credit, was before I was born. Okay. So this guy goes goes back pretty far, The Fugitive. And, you know, The Fugitive, we know The Fugitive. They remade it into a, a movie. You know, so with Harrison Ford, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 got that timelessness to it because you know once they start remaking these things, uh, Alias Smith and Jones um, was that remade? Takes, I think it was it was it was remade. I think so. Into I think it was a movie. But Al- Alias Smith and Jones was a series he created, right. and it's one of those that I only know about honestly. Because this is some, this is a charge that's leveled against Glenn Larson a lot, and that is that he never saw a successful product that he didn't want to copy. <laughs> um, and Alias Smith and Jones came along right after Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, mm-hmm. and it lasted I think what three seasons it looks like here on, on this list. Like but um, and there's it's an interesting charge. I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with it, with that charge, you know, to say, <laughs> to say that. I mean, I, I really don't. I, I think that if you look at, like, even, okay, take J.R.R. Tolkien. Okay. Mm-hmm. What was he doing? He was creating a mythology, but what was he using? He was using these words, orcs and elves. And he did create, you know, hobbits, brand new. Right. But he, you know, th- you could say he did absolutely push the genre of fantasy into a completely different realm, but he did it still building on what came before him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you can look at Lord of the Rings and then look at some things like, um, Wagner's the ring and you can see, Oh, this is, there's inspiration there. And right. so no one's going to, no one's going to accuse J.R. Tolkien of ripping off, things for the Lord of the Rings because right. it's not ripping it off. There's inspiration behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, Glenn Larson, they, they do accuse him of ripping off things. <laughs> and, um, but at the same time, he really created things that had staying power. And yeah, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, they had a sequel. Did you know that, Steve? Uh, no. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No. Um so even the official Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids people tried to, you know, do some sort of—I guess it was a prequel, not a sequel—but um, but even the official people who owned it were trying to capitalize on it and didn't succeed. Then you have Alias Smith and Jones lasted three seasons. Wow. So I don't know, there's there's some there's some staying power there. Mm-hmm. But the first thing, looking at his IMDb credits, and I'm specifically looking at his writing credits. Um, I should pr- probably get his producer credits open here too. The first thing that hits that really hit me would be uh, the Six Million Dollar Man. Right. Now he did not create it. No. Nope. Uh, he wrote two of the TV movies, so he was involved in the Six Million Dollar Man. Right. But not as creator. Um. And that's a show, Steve. Man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So the, he, the choir man. He hit you there too. I I was part of the Steve Austin fan club. I sent away and I got this little pack. Are you serious? And it had like yeah, and it had awesome. an autograph, well, quote unquote autographed picture of Lee Majors. I, and, I uh, bet he signed it. 
<clears throat> yeah, I bet. I bet he did. No, you, they make them do that. They make they them sit down for an hour. Kids. Yeah, you sit down for an hour and you. They made him do that. No, it was someone who got paid five dollars an hour to oh, be. Steve, you are <laughs> so majors. cynical. You are so <laughs> cynical, Steve. What? I'm a realist. Oh, that's cynicism realist. right there. Come on. Okay, so tell me more about the the fan club then. Oh, what did it have in it? It had a. Uh, I think it had. Um, like a, a card, and you could write your name, and, and, and it was the Six Million Dollar Man Fan Club, or Steve Austin Fan Club, I forget which. And uh, it, it's kind of sad because I think I, I intentionally threw this stuff out back in like the late 80s or something. Um, was that part of your, when I was a child, I acted as a child, but now I, <laughs> now I am a, a, an adult and I'll act as an adult phase where you. Now I'm an adult and I wish I had that stuff so I could sell it on eBay <laughs> and reap the benefits of my childhood. Truth. <laughs> so, but uh, no, it, it was uh, it was one of those things where, you know, and until, of course, the Bionic Woman came along, it was like my favorite show. And then the Bionic Woman, well, it had Jamie Summers in it. So, you know, it was kind of... Lindsay Wagner. Lindsay Wagner, yeah. Yes. I was yeah. talking with my kids about Lindsay Wagner the other day. Uh, we have a TV channel that on Wednesday night does four hours of pro- programming. The first two hours are Six Million Dollar Man. The second two hours are The Bionic Woman. Wow. It is beautiful for me. I'm <laughs> does Wednesday. Your no. <laughs> no, no, no. Not in that way. <laughs> so here's how Wednesday works for me I get up and go into the church now at 8 o'clock. And I'm there in the office, and then we have our Wednesday night programming for the kids. And so I'm there from 8 to 8, maybe even a little later than 8 usually, because um, programming stops at 8. So, yeah, it's it's 8 to 8, 30, 9. So then we all drive home, and we get home. We put the kids to bed, and I sit down, and I turn on The Six Million Dollar Man and catch maybe the, the, the second episode, or maybe it's just half of that, and then the two Bionic Woman episodes. And it's just the perfect end for that long, long day. And then Thursday is my day off. So that's that's nice also. You know, wow. you, you put in a 12-hour day and then you, I get the next day off. That's really – that that's feels nice. great, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, so I'm just – I'm loving it. I'm going back and I'm just feeling like I am a kid again that's cool. seeing some of these things. And, yeah, there's there's some pretty classic stuff going on there. There's one where – actually two where they went undercover as police officers – once was Lee Majors doing it, the other time was Lindsay Wagner doing it. And the Lindsay Wagner one, I've seen it twice now. And oh my goodness, Steve, there's this part where there's a sniper up on top of a building who's getting ready to take the shot to shoot Lindsay Wagner or Jamie Summers, I guess. Right. And she's there with her partner. They're both in their uniform and they, you know, with their sidearm and everything. She hears the sniper pushes her friend out of the way throwing them against the wall in this alley and knocking them out right Mm -hmm. so it's almost worse than if they had been shot i mean you could actually do less damage with a bullet wound in the right place if (laughs) instead of this head trauma that knocks them out (laughs) but then he is lining up the sights on on jamie summers and you know what she does she takes him out with her gun but you know how she does it? She takes her gun and throws it. Throws it. She yeah. chucks it up 
<laughs> it's him. Yeah. Oh, and my kids are watching this, and they're like, I don't get it. How does it mean that they're going faster if they're showing it in slow motion? I know. I don't get it. <laughs> and I'm watching it, and I'm totally – I believe it. I believe. Yeah. yeah. As a kid, I totally believed. And we would do that too. I'm sure so you did. fast that they could only show it in, in slow, slow motion. In slow motion, yes. Yeah. And then when you're playing Bionic Man – on the yeah. on the playground, you are You're walking slow in motion. slow motion and because what are you going to do? Run that fast in real life? Exactly. You're the television is helping your imagination along by putting it in exactly. slow motion, and you're helping it along by yeah. And my kids are just that's kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What well. are you going to do? Well, anyway, we we have the the. The six million dollar man, which is seminal. I mean, it's, it's yeah, science yeah. fiction. It's it's uh, all that good stuff. I mean, you so know. did you have the toys? Oh yeah the the twelve yeah. inch the, the twelve inch action guy. The twelve you could look through the back of his head uh-huh. and you could see it, it like magnified things yeah. to like one point one size larger than it was before. And then you so had the it was button, just like real. The yeah, the button, button on the, the back arm. that you click it and. And his arm would, would slowly go up and, and lift this heavy weight. Yeah. The plastic toy that came with it. And yeah. then here <laughs> that's one else toy. <laughs> it was an engine. It was supposed to be a car engine, right? My cousin had the Bigfoot though. <laughs> and it it stood, I think, like thirteen, fourteen inches, and there was a little button on his belly that if you would punch it with Steve's hand, the front panel would pop off. Yeah. And so the toy totally spoiled that for me that it was not actually a bigfoot it was actually a a an hey, hey, hey 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 spoilers oh, sorry, spoilers sorry 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 this is um, this has only been around for 40 years okay <laughs> dr jace may not know that this is you know that what the the big secret the reveal yeah, so let's yeah. let's leave let's leave a little mystery okay okay and then i also had i had steve austin I had the one robot that could like change his face and, and change his, his arms and stuff. Right. And then I had Oscar Goldman yeah. as a 12-inch figure. <laughs> I think I had Rudy Wells. I think that was my – They had he, a 12-inch Rudy? Cool. I think so. No. Was, I don't know. Maybe he was just my favorite you know, guy in the, the – because he, he would like come up with all the stuff. Yeah. He was the techie. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> well, it kind of is. I mean we're, we're, we are getting away from uh, actually Glenn Larson's fingerprints on this show but his over yeah so he's involved in in basically getting six million dollar man to series mm-hmm. but not involved with it as it was a series so right it's kind of interesting that that didn't continue on but i guess he had other well, he, the fire. he, he the did because at this point we're in 73 and then mm-hmm. um and then we get into yeah, McLeod in seventy six ish. McLeod. He worked on as a writer. Yeah, seventy five, seventy six. Two, really. two episodes he wrote. It started, I guess, in seventy two. No, I, w- I never, I never oh, watched 70, that. Nineteen seventy, it started. McLeod is not one of my my childhood touchstones. No, I remember it, but other than that, I I don't I didn't I don't remember anything. I, I remember what he looked like, and that's about it. But it was one of those like cop shows, and unless it was, uh, I, there was like three that I watched. It was Adam Twelve, The Rookies, and SWAT. 
And if it wasn't one of those, I didn't watch it. Especially if it was like one guy who wants to watch one guy. Yeah, you, know? you have to really like that one guy. So. I know. And you know, he had a mustache, looked funny, so I was all right. right. So moving into the later 70s, we're moving into closer into my childhood, the, I should say deeper into my childhood. And I'm looking at 78 right now and seeing one big thing, and that was the Hardy Boys Nancy Drew Mysteries. That's the big thing from 78 that you see? No, that's one big thing. (laughs) I want to get this one out of the way so we can get into the bigger things. Because the Hardy Boys Nature Drew Mysteries was around before 78. Was it? Yeah. Okay, well. 77. Okay, 77, 78. Way before 78. And I was looking at his credits here. For the Nancy Boy, uh, Nancy Boy, the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew. <laughs> <laughs> For the Nancy Nancy, Nancy Boy Nancy mysteries, mysteries, something completely different. That yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it looked like there were what? There's 43 episodes or something like that, maybe even more. But he had a hand in writing 30 of them. <laughs> 30 of these episodes, he had a hand in writing. And he was also the executive producer. So basically, this is him just saying, oh, your script that you just turned in for a Hardy Boys Nancy Drew mystery? Yeah, it's garbage. I'm rewriting. Yeah, and, thanks for the idea. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's not going to work without me. Um, and and I this was a show I loved. I loved this show so much because I was reading them – now, I did not catch them in 78, though, because I can't imagine. Maybe maybe it was. No, no, I would have been four in 78. But maybe maybe I was watching them then. And maybe I, but I can't imagine I was reading them as a four-year-old. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty sure the reason I liked them was because of the books. My dad used to buy me the books. I have a very vivid memory of him um, coming home from a two-week trip. And it was really cold, and he comes in, and he's still wearing his jacket. He's like, hey, Benji, I'm home. I got something for you. And he, he sits down on the side of my bed, and like you can feel the cold radiating off of him from coming in from, from you know the Canadian winter. And he hands me this book, and the book is freezing too. The book is really cold, but it was uh, a Hardy Boys, uh, I think it was the Firebird Rocket. And, oh, man, I mean, that's a vivid memory that I have that I'll never let go of. I didn't do mysteries, so I remember it being on, but other than that, not so much. Okay. All right, so we move from the Hardy Ways and Answer Your Mysteries. We can get those out of the way here. Right. They're, they're gone because we got two really huge things coming up. Yeah, this is this is the, the, the two pillars that we're talking about when we're talking about Glenn Larson. That's right. We're talking about the TV movie The Islander and the, the TV movie Byzantium. A Double Life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, Evening in Byzantium. <laughs> Wait a minute. No, it's Fools, Females, and Fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Evening in Byzantium, terrorists invade the Cannes Film Festival. Um, and, uh, and lest we forget, lest we forget Battles, the murder that wouldn't die. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> what is that? That's later on. That's in the... That's oh, later on. Yeah, we're, you're it's in the wrong decade in. right now. But. I know, it's horrible. No, we are talking about Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> and Buck Rogers. And Buck Rogers. Yeah. To, I mean, appointment television. 
You yeah. know, I remember vividly I, we were in Disney World, Walt Disney World in Florida, and I made sure we were. I think it was Tuesday night. It was Buck Rogers. I, I I don't know why I remember that, but I made sure that we were there so we could see Buck Rogers because. It was Buck Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> what were we going to do? Not watch it? What were we going to do? Go to Disney World instead? What? No, it's Buck Rogers. So, I mean, it was, it was that, it's just that vivid. I remember, I remember that. And we took time out of our vacation in Florida to watch Buck Rogers. I have so many memories that are tied into Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers. And part of it comes from, like, memories about my cousin Greg and him, you know, I remember at his being at his house and and he said, "Yeah, they did a movie where they found Earth." And I'm just, "You're kidding!" And and then all of a sudden, we're, we're sitting there and the the uh, the commercial comes on for this Galactica Conquest of the Earth movie thing, mm-hmm. and it's 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 exactly what they what he said. And I'm just, I can't believe that they did this. Well, then it turns out that was. Uh, the TV movie that's that's launching Galactica eighty, but right. um, but yeah, totally. I this show we played on the playground, not as much as Star Wars, no. um, and, and we did we never played Buck Rogers on the playground because there was only one guy on that. There was Buck Rogers, and then there was old scientist guy, you know, <laughs> Doctor Hewer. Well, or or, or the, the second speaking. season guy, yeah, or yeah. <laughs> no, I'm What's not up, going Buck? to be. I'm not going to be Wilma Deering again. Right, no. exactly. <laughs> Battlestar Galactic, he had plenty of people to choose from. And, you know, there was a lot more action going on. I have another memory, though. This would have been in 82 or 83, where they would play these in reruns every day of the week wow. after school. But they would switch between them. And so I, I think it was uh, like Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, it was Buck Rogers because they had more episodes of that. And then Tuesday... And Thursday, it was Battlestar Galactica. And I remember my mom sitting down with me and saying, you're watching a lot of TV shows that have a lot of shooting in it. <laughs> We're going to ask you – basically, she asked me, which one do I want to give up? Wow. So I would watch one but not the other. I don't remember That's which one I choose. I, I'm pretty sure I chose Battlestar Galactica. But funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, man, these shows, though. And then I even liked – I did like Galactica 1980, uh, especially the beginning of the season and the end of the season. The beginning of the season with three episodes of time travel and where they first are working with the Earth and then they go back to World War II and there's some things like that. And he wrote nine of the ten episodes of Galactica 1980. Yeah. Galactica 1980. Nine of the ten episodes. And – so the the final episode though was the return of Starbuck, right? And yeah. that was basically, I mean, it was the perfect episode for you know what happened to this guy who they never talk about. <laughs> yeah. So and there he comes. Yeah, Galactica discovers Earth was that the first three episodes of the series. I liked them; they were really pretty strong. And then you got into some of the weird stuff where they were trying to be more educational. <laughs> and there was the episodes with the kids' baseball team. <laughs> um, That's yeah, <laughs> the Super Scouts. I, I think that the Super Scouts are what that episode. No, Space Mall, I think it was. 
I bet you're right. I bet you it is Spaceball. Because the Super Scouts set it up. They were taking kids from the Galactica to the Earth to live on the Earth. But they had basically uh, John Carter powers on Earth. They were able to nice. jump and they were really strong. And yeah, so it, <laughs> and I. They would, end, they would end almost every episode with, and that's one to grow on. Almost. Almost. They had to have. <laughs> no, it's true. Every 15 minutes of the show, they had to have some educational component. So. They might have someone with a, a scanner and they'd say, well, Earth's atmosphere is 21% oxygen. And so <laughs> no, they, they had to because it was the 7 o'clock hour on Sunday. Wow. And so it's yep. it's basically considered children's programming. Right. So. Now, now I have a an experience that you I, – I can't imagine that you had. And if you didn't have it, then I pity you because you'll never have this experience what unless is it? they bring this back. They used to have something called Sense Around. Yes, never had it and never want to have it. But they had Battlestar Galactica as a motion picture back in, I think, 78. It's released it, on DVD in that way. You can get yeah. like a $5 DVD on Amazon of the, the, first, the first two or three episodes. Yeah. yeah. And they played it in – the theater in like an actual theater and I remember vividly sitting and watching on the big screen the whole Galactica thing and when one of the the battle stars explodes which takes like 30 seconds it's, it's like a Death Star type of explosion it was so incredibly loud because it's in sense around and it was so, it, it was like before THX was was there? They had yeah, sense yeah. around for some movies. It, it was so incredibly loud. I remember I yelled and I couldn't hear myself yell, but <laughs> just to yell, just because it was that loud. I wanted to see if I could hear myself yell. I couldn't, and it was unbelievably loud. That's awesome. So cool. It was really cool to, to experience you know a movie like that. You know, as pivotal from my youth, and to have it to have it in, in the sense around. Now, uh, just a, a caveat, I guess we have to say, for Battlestar Galactica. Um, Glenn Larson was a Mormon, and there's a lot of Mormon theology sort of undergirding some of the, the stuff in Battlestar Galactica. So we're not, we're not condoning the Mormon stuff. <laughs> the Mormon stuff makes for good sci-fi. It does. But I the mean, thing is... When I was watching it, I was like, oh, wow, look, some spiritual stuff that you don't, you know, because there wasn't any Christian science fiction. And all of a sudden you had this science fiction that had the spiritual aspect to it that was beyond the force, you know, some mm-hmm. impersonal force that is either good or bad, whatever. Um, but then later on in life, when I, I learned that it was a Mormon thing, I was like, wow, that's kind of sneaky, you know, how they like got just enough in there to sort of make it seem a little bit like it was almost sort of like a Christian thing, but almost kind of not. And, but um, Yeah, but it went in other directions too because you definitely had that, that Chariots of the Gods type of thing too. Yeah, but which, that's... But that, there's a lot of Mormon, from my understanding of Mormon theology, that, that feels like Chariots of the Gods. Yeah, it's a little bit like that. Um, but the, the thing that I remember vividly was they met these angelic beings. Mm-hmm. And turn their ships white, and turn their, yeah. their no, turn their suits white. Everything was white. Yeah, yeah. and they said, uh, "What? Uh, 
what we are now, you know, what, what you are now, we once were, what we are now, you, you may be, or something like that. And that's, I mean, that's, that's Mormon theology where you become a celestial being, you become basically a god. Uh, but it, and it was, but it was just slipped in there as if it were, you know, what we are now, glorified beings, you know, you, you may become if you, you know, follow the right path and stuff like that. So when I was watching it, I was like, oh, they're talking about going to heaven. And I don't know if my parents understood it or whatever. They didn't turn it off or anything. They didn't give me the talk, yeah, <laughs> the Mormon no. talk, you know, that all young boys get. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, uh, maybe they weren't even watching it. Maybe they didn't even see it. But, you know, when I found out later on it was a Mormon thing, I was just like, yikes. So, but uh, I don't think any of that got into the Buck Rogers. Buck Rogers was much more of a uh, a man's man type of a Yeah, it was definitely the pulp, pulp sci-fi guy. And it was funny because, you know, the, with Six Million Dollar Man, I think I enjoyed that because it had Rudy Wells in there and it had uh, Oscar Goldman. It had like this, you know, this strong bunch of guys, but one of them is the superhero. Mm-hmm. And with Buck Rogers, it's that one guy, you know, and and he's surrounded by these, you know, the Tweaky and, and Dr. Huey and stuff. Uh, and I think it was just enough of a, a transition from – from Six Million Dollar Man to Buck Rogers for me to to say, you know, well, here's a bunch of strong guys, but one has super strength, to here's the strong guy and everyone else is just sort of wimpy and stupid and he outwits them and all that stuff. And it was, it was just enough time in my growing up and upbringing that I could make that transition where, you know, McLeod didn't have anything for me even though it was that, you know, one strong character. Yeah, yeah. But Buck Rogers did, you know, and I think it would, obviously Star Wars softened it up and, and Galactica softened it up. And, and then you get this science fiction, one strong character type of a guy. Yeah, I think that's the that's the key there right there for you, Steve, though. It was sci-fi. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, there were spaceships and there were um, mutants and there were these ideas of Armageddon yep. and that the world had basically almost ended. Uh and there is one point that, that I'll, I'll throw out in a second here, but basically you had the world is irradiated and you have these yeah. dome cities kind of all across the world and, and yeah. then they're, they're spreading out into space or they had, they, they sent out what <laughs> I think they're still going after like 12 tribes or something like that. Cause second season was, they basically turned it into star Trek yeah. or, or Battlestar Galactica <laughs> where they're going out and looking for the lost tribes. Mm-hmm. And and they bring in what's his name Hawk, Hawk yeah what was his he was a Hawkman guy he was like a cross between <clears throat> Hawkman, Fonzie and Spock <laughs> like if you take those three guys stick them all together and give them a really bad white wig, um but a really cool ship right the <laughs> yeah it was Hawk and mm-hmm. yeah it, it, that's where they were trying to I think kind of and flip the robots. switch and. Well, and they had a one of the had, guys was as Asimov, and the ship was uh, no one of the robots was Crichton. Crichton, yep. And they they would use names that you know if you knew anything about science fiction, you know it, it had some little connection there. You know what this was though, Steve? What is this it? was my introduction to the three laws of robotics. 
Ah, that's right. Something happened with Crichton or something. And when he woke up, they they quizzed him on the three laws of robotics. And I Mm -hmm. thought that was the coolest thing ever. That was my introduction to it. And I didn't know the Asimov name and I didn't know some of these other references that they were doing. But it was – I liked the season two as a young kid. Um, Buck Rogers didn't age as well for me as as I aged. Um, I, I really do want to revisit it again sometime. There's some really good episodes, but there's there only are... two seasons. And yeah, what? Tw- well, look, I'm looking here. It says 24 episodes. Yeah, but they. I mean, the, most of the good episodes would be in the first season. There's got to be more but than that. 37. 37 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. 79 to 81. The other thing I love about it is there is a lot of 70s cheese. Oh, yeah. With like the disco. They went <sighs> to a disco and it's like this – what you would think music is going to be in 500 years. Yes. awful. <laughs> You're just like, oh, so in 500 years they completely forget what music is. Okay. And they just yeah. make these kind of soundscapes that have a disco beat, and yeah. they did the same thing about Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, with that, yeah. it's love, 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 it's love, <laughs> love, love. Yeah, the, the women with double faces that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So from here, <laughs> from here they, we go. Basically, they're, they're trying to reproduce the 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 cantina from Star Wars. Yeah. Oh. And we're back to Battlestar Galactica here, but uh, that one always just felt weird, just kind of weird. Yeah. Just kind of weird. But again, the whole idea of Battlestar Galactica is they're looking for Earth because Cylons have destroyed everything. Mm-hmm. And they have the Cylons behind them. They have all the people in the ships and they have to they have to find food. And there's – watching it as an adult now, Battlestar Galactica surprises me with some of the places they went to, like with starving people and, and you know, the one ship has these people starving on one level and people rich and eating on the other level. And Mm -hmm. and it's just like, we got to spread this out. Well, I earned it. This is mine. And they're just like, property doesn't matter when everyone is dying, you know, that kind of thing. And it's just, wow, communism, you know, it's, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or is it there's just some both Buck Rogers and Battlestar Galactica really flirt with sci-fi ideas they just do it in a, 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 a more of an immature fashion and I think they do they, Buck Rogers less than Battlestar Galactica but I think they do hold up as as decent uh, decent examples of television sci-fi Yes, except for the constant reuse of the fight scenes, the the, the special effects. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's almost laughable. It, it is laughable nowadays because you don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, then they had they had like you know twenty different scenes, and and they just would reuse them. Well, they had to though. I mean, what they did was they made that that initial TV movie or whatever that was theatrically released as well. Mm-hmm. And so they were able to use the movie budget to get the special effects that they needed and wanted. They couldn't do that on a week-to-week basis. Mm-hmm. There was no way they could do that on a week-to-week basis. It was a really expensive TV show. So, yeah, yeah. I I feel for them 
but at the same time, you know, you're right. It is, it does grate on you a little bit, if, especially if you're binge watching. Yeah. When it was week to week, that was one thing. But if you're watching three episodes in a row one evening because you're bored and have nothing to do, <laughs> eh, maybe you should choose yeah. to just choose some variety <laughs> if you're going to do it. Buck Rogers was barely better because they would reuse stuff too. But they would actually, you know, they reuse stuff it. from Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> so then we get into two shows that are not sci-fi, but that I really enjoyed, and that is the Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo, Sheriff and, Lobo, and BJ and the Bear. <laughs> And I loved BJ and the Bear. Now, mind you, I didn't know the source material. So any which way but loose and any which way you can, Clint Eastwood and the orangutan. Yep. Mother Jugs and Speed. I I had no idea what BJ and the Bear was being. Now, of course, it's not a complete ripoff because it was a truck driver and a chimpanzee. Right. Not an orangutan. Completely different. I mean, how can you even really put the two together here? But yeah, um, it's apples and oranges. I mean, it's, it's like <laughs> apples and dinosaur eggs. I mean, it's it's completely different. I actually was a little. It always bothered me that the chimpanzee was named Bear <laughs> because it wasn't a bear. No, he's a chimpanzee. Right. But we used to play BJ and the Bear. We Did had you? yeah yeah. I had a couple semi truck toys and. We would fight over, okay, I get to be BJ. No, I get to be BJ. And, yeah. And then wow. they did a Sheriff Lobo BJ crossover. You know what that was, Steve? What's that? My introduction to crossovers. No. It was. Through BJ and the Bear? And Sheriff Lobo. Because wow. I think, if I remember correctly, it was a situation where BJ was carrying cargo but he didn't know what it was and it turned out it was like uh, illegal aliens or human you know human trafficking slaves or something like that and sheriff lobo was involved in that case and was like stopped and pulled him over and um opened the back and they realized that he's actually transporting people and he shouldn't be and i don't remember much more than that but that's that's if i remember correctly what the actual crossover was it might have just been a random episode of one or the other, but I do remember it being a big deal to me. And it might even be my cousin again <laughs> with that. <laughs> there was a big deal yeah, to us I, that there was a, this crossover between the two. Like that was, that just blew my mind. Two different TV shows and the characters are in each other's show. That would be like Buck Rogers showing up on the Galactica. Well, no, or like Luke Skywalker beaming onto the Enterprise. No, no, no. I don't. I don't think so. Or Those, Frodo shaking hands with. I think Spider Man. No. no, no. Or Red Sonia <clears throat> and Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, yeah. That more crazy, like that. Yeah, yeah. There we go. You know, something that would never happen. That's it. You, you, you caught it right there. There you go. You're welcome. Uh, let's see. So Trauma Center. Simon and Simon, he did a story for an episode. Terror at Alcatraz. I'm curious about that. Quincy. <laughs> <laughs> Quincy, which was a um, 
he was a, a medical examiner. He he did. Yeah. Um, what was it called? Uh, Examine medically, like autopsies and stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. And it was it was it was a Jack Klugman, yeah, classic classic actor. Uh, I don't know if it. I, I don't see the the thing with with uh, a lot of medical dramas nowadays. Not the drama stuff, but more the procedural stuff. Um, and the the cop shows that have medical aspects to it. It's a little science fictiony, you know. It's not. It's it's based in. It's based on reality, but it's not as real as actual reality because it's it has to be you know played up a little bit. So you know they can see things through the microscope that you really can't see, and they can do things faster or you know get the results you know in a half an hour when it really takes thirty days or something. Um, so I don't know if Quincy actually had that type of an aspect to it. I I don't know when it started that they started to add these slight little technological uh, boosts to you know tech that that exists in these in these series. Um, but Quincy was was a fun show. It was it had humor. Jack Klugman is a great uh, uh, humorous actor, but he's also a great dr- dramatic actor too. You know, you can watch lots of different stuff that he's done over the years, and he he does does them both well in Quincy. He has mm-hmm. some really funny yep. lines, but at the same time, he he's he when you look at him and he's doing the medical examining, he's he's that you're not going to laugh at him, you know. The thing with Quincy, did you watch this then? You watched it? Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know why, but I watched this show. Hmm. I I really cannot say, oh, I was so into it because of one reason or another. But I, I – maybe it was my – maybe it might be my parents. Well, it lasted a long time. It did. It, it, was, it had more episodes than we have episodes at this point. But only by six. <laughs> Well, yeah, but still, but yeah, yeah, more. No, it, it lasted a long, long time. But for some reason, I I remember watching this in the afternoons mm-hmm. as reruns, and and maybe it was just that my mom was watching it or something like that. That mm-hmm. that has to be it because it's not the kind of show that I would watch if I had a choice to when I was a little kid. <laughs> but it it was on maybe, and and you know it was good enough that I I remember watching it and right. liking. I liked him, Jack yeah. Klugman. I liked him a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, the the odd couple was oh definitely was, yeah. I mean, pivotal in my you know early in the seventies mid seventies, and uh, seeing him in a different series that sort of sold me on that. And I think this one might have been one like one of my mom's shows that I would watch. So yeah, this was a that was a good one. Yeah, it might have been a family show too. You know, kind of like Fantasy Island or Love Boat was a family show for us, where we'd all right. just watch it together. So, okay, I, know, Ma- I, think it, I think it had you know gritty subjects, and especially you what, know, Quincy? medical examiner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know how much of a kids show it could be. Really. Well, I'm not saying it was a kids show, but more just we watched it as a family. I don't know. I I remember watching it often. I just don't remember why. So right. it's uh, now we get into Manimal. Mm-hmm. It's another touchstone show, but you know what, Steve? What? Never saw it. I might have seen one or two. This is this is it only had 8 episodes. This is the type of thing we should binge watch and do a series a, a, a an episode on. Can we? Yeah. Let's Well, is it It's probably on Hulu, right? I don't know. Something. I'm, I'm going to look on Amazon and see if you can even get a season. 
But yeah, so Manimal is about a superhero guy, basically, who can turn into animals. Um, That's the name. And and you're not going to believe this one. He used that power to fight crime. What? Yeah. No. (laughs) I can't believe we're coming back. I'm going to have to contact my cousin and say, listen to the episode and see if I got this wrong. I remember my cousin Greg really liking this show. But I also don't remember watching. I, I I don't think I ever saw it. And I you know I know it might have to turn in some uh, some of my geek cred here. But <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that. Uh, uh, Steve, if you what? want to buy Manimal complete series on DVD, it's only eight episodes, so it must be like eight bucks. Or it could be closer to like fifty-five. What? <laughs> yeah. You want to buy like a secret ninth episode? Or oh something? wait, that's that's region two. That's not even that's not region one. That's Interesting. So you'd have to go to Europe. To you watch could get there. the Man from Atlantis for cheaper than that, which I might do actually. That's another thing we should binge watch and do. Uh, that I am. I really do want to. I'm I'm reading the comic book. Oh yeah. For well, <laughs> for uh, comic book time machine, yeah. Cool. But um. Which I am really extremely enjoying your episodes and the um, uh, the episodes that you three do. I, I don't I, I have to admit I don't have time to listen to all of them, um, but the ones that I've I've heard with all three of you and the ones that you do going through the, um, the Star Wars the, stuff, the Star Wars and the the John Carter and, and all that good stuff. Um, very entertaining. Very it, it just brings me right back to that time because I was you know that's when I really started to sort of get interested in, in comic books a little bit, I wasn't sold on them, but I had the, uh, they had the, a small like pocket book, a pocket, uh, like novel size yeah, yeah. version of all six of the first issues. And it was black and white and it was just small and tiny. And, you know, it was just cram- all crammed in and it was like half, not even half the size of a comic book. Um, but I would read that. I mean, read it over and over again. I still have it, you know. And, and just it had all the the deleted scenes and everything yeah, like that. Yeah. And uh, and I mean, and just all the other stuff, the, the Godzilla stuff and all that stuff. So I'm really enjoying that. Yeah, I need to pull together the next one. But I started a new job, so I'm yeah, I'm a little behind on some things here. Yep. So okay, well, we go in here. Got Manimal. With Manimal, and then, and then right around the same time we have Auto Man. Yeah, and Auto Man, another one. Okay, Battlestar Galactica. Obviously, the, the charge is level that they were just ripping off Star Wars mm-hmm. because hey, Star Wars made lots of money. We can make lots of money. Um, Auto Man, they the the, the, the charge is level that he was ripping off Tron with that one. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, you look at some of the pictures. Um, it certainly looks like it. <laughs> it's a little Tronish, but was was Tron that much of a, a huge success that they that he wanted to to copy it? Oh, look, man, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a huge success. It, it didn't. I mean, it, it was successful, but um, it's Desi Arnaz Jr. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, if you look at his costume and stuff, though, it has the. The glowed outlining and and that kind of thing, and you know he turns into a car in a similar way to how the light cycles. Yeah, at least that's the way I remember it. 
maybe there's well, I, I, that's and the way I remember it. That only lasted half a half a season, but probably fed into his his uh, his next project, his next big project. Wait, wait, wait. Walter and Otto Man, along with Cursor, a small floating droid. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that there's some no, sort of no, yeah. No. <laughs> there might be some ripping off going on there. I don't know. But how does Otto Man? Where does this go next? Then is this, well, is this a logical thing? Logical thread you're following here? He did have a couple of of movies and stuff like that, but but I guess logically. Auto Man was. It looks like he was created after Night Rider. Yeah. So you have a guy who can turn into a car, or you have a guy who has a robot car, a talking car. Yeah. yeah. Robo car. Night Rider. How many seasons? Four. Night Rider. Wow. Uh, three, four, five, six, uh, four. Yeah. I think four because I remember the last season where they're really trying to punch it up, and they've done things where. Like the car would go, could go faster if he like pressed a button and certain vents would open up and a foiler a spoiler rather would come out and it could change colors. <laughs> and I remember reading a newspaper article about this and they were taking kind of the the uh, press release that had gone out about the changes that they were making and then they would. Um, they were just kind of making commentary on that. Like, it looks like the show's not going anywhere. It looks like it's it's not doing as well as they thought. They're trying to get bring in new life. And, yeah. Knight Rider, though. David Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff. So this is where I started recognizing producers, or at least production companies, because the sound effects... Okay. The sound of that blinking light in front of Kit, mm-hmm. same as the sound from the Cylons from Battlestar Galactica. Cylons. Yep. And then the blinking light itself, the, the red light going back and forth, back and forth. Mm-hmm. And this is where I started going, oh, well, wait a minute. That's from the other thing. And I wonder if this is the same people. Uh, yeah, it was, sure enough. Yeah, it was. Night Rider. <laughs> wow! Well, and this is this is a big sci-fi show too. Really, I mean, it's a it's a touchstone show. It was super yeah, successful. Lots, lots of people, yeah. Super successful, and you know, this is the, at a time where then you would have Arnold Drummond uh, visit the set <laughs> of Knight Rider. You know, and right because um, it's sort of a crossover if you do it that way. Kind of. He went in the car thinking that the car was indestructible, and I think there was like dynamite or something nearby or something like that. I mean, it's just <laughs> stupid sitcom stuff, but we didn't care. And then you right. had, um, and that's when to grow on kind of stuff. <laughs> and David Hasselhoff, man, there he was. It was David Hasselhoff and Mr. T, and you know, same same era there. Yep. Knight Rider and A-Team, that's the crossover I wanted. <laughs> that would have been cool. And the Dukes. Throwing the Dukes. Throwing the Dukes. Because all these car people. Yeah. But, but only one has a talking car. And even you could put in Magnum P.I. He could have his like his helicopter. You could. 
Well, he had a car too. Was it? Didn't he have like a Ferrari or something? Yeah, but it wasn't like talking or anything. Yeah, that's true. And by the way, Steve, if uh, Universal or anyone who has rights to this the Knight Rider ever wants to come to me for the final Knight Rider story, I have the final Knight Rider story. And it's very simple. Yeah. Okay. Michael Knight gets reunited with Kit. And any sequel series and stuff like that, they don't matter. It's Michael Knight. It's Kit. It's the same car. The same body of the car. And then you have Garth, Michael Knight's twin with a beard who was evil and who drove Goliath. Do you remember Goliath? The semi-truck? I do remember the semi truck that was that had the same kind of material that Kit had, so it was also indestructible. Garth in Goliath takes Car. Remember Car? That's the evil Kit. K A R R. Yeah. They take Car's brain and put it in Goliath. Because oh, wow. Goliath was not a sentient thing; it was just a vehicle that. Garth was driving. Right. So you have the final face-off of Garth with Carr's brain, and you have Michael Knight and Kit, and that's your final episode or movie or whatever. That's it. End of story. End of line. Wow. And Michael Knight and Kit will end up riding off into the sunset, just like they used to in the opening and ending credits. And then you you know who's hitchhiking as they as he blows past who's hitchhiking? Who's hitchhiking, Steve? David Banner. Oh man. Well, that's in the crossover. That's in the giant crossover. Yeah. That's not in in this one. No. 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 But Knight Rider created by uh, <laughs> Glenn Larson. I was going to say Eric Larson. <laughs> no, not him. <laughs> no, no. But also uh, around that same time, um, uh, Magnum PI that I yeah, mentioned, yep, uh, created in 1980, and also the wait, Fall Guy. Wait, wait, stop! Before we leave Magnum PI, we're not going to leave Magnum PI. Uh, no, I just have to. I have to give you a. I have to confess something, Steve. Uh, I have. I have two. Should we, should we pause the pause no, the show? No. It's I have I have two obsessions right now. My Wednesday night obsession is is Bionic. My Netflix obsession right now Uh-oh. crossed over with Magnum PI. Can you guess? Crossed over with Magnum PI. Yes. Uh, um, Simon and Simon. Murder. She wrote. <laughs> Oh, no. Murder, she wrote. I cannot get enough. Jessica Fletcher, my friend. Uh, does, your, does your wife know? Yeah. It's... <laughs> Is this why you're going to church all the time? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, so Magnum P.I. Uh, was – he took Magnum P.I. As a, as a job and missed out on Indiana Jones. Poor, poor choice there. For Poor Tom guy. Selleck, yeah. So, yeah, uh, Tom Selleck, man's man, right there. Yeah, man's I, I, I man. I can't. I really couldn't. I mean, would he have the mustache? Would it have been like a like a nineteen thirties style mustache, or would they have made him? I think he would have lost the stash. 
I don't know. That would have been that might have been See, part of you know. He I, wouldn't have been as iconic. No, with the, no. the fedora as he is with the with the with the mustache. Yeah. No, I I totally agree. I think that it was a great career move for him. I don't think Raiders of the Lost Ark would have been as as successful with with Tom Selleck. And I don't think that Tom Selleck would have been as successful with Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I think yeah. it's good that they didn't go <laughs> go that route and Tom Selleck was something completely different with Magnum PI and Raiders of the Lost Ark is a classic in, of cinema yeah. in general. A classic yeah. of, oh, yeah. of cinema. Yeah. And you want you can get specific with pulp cinema and you can get specific with sci fi and fantasy, but it's just a classic in general. Yeah. My yeah. four year old asked me what a classic was recently, by the way. <laughs> I picked up a book. We were trying to figure out what he's gonna read and 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 I picked up a book and said, Oh hey, what about this one? It's a classic. And he looks at me and says, Dad, what's a classic? <laughs> and I'm just it's something that's been good for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's something where the author is dead, but they still publish his book. Well, or something. I mean, that's that's not a you You're know. getting you're getting more specific than than I wanted to get. So I'm just saying, yeah. Uh okay, so Magnum PI and then also you said the Fall, the fall Guy, guy yeah. which goes back to uh Lee Majors. Yep. Yep, bringing yeah. him back. I love The Fall Guy too. It was it was a funny show, and it showed that Steve that Steve Austin that Lee Majors could do you know some some funny stuff too. He could do yeah he could do the funny and speaking of the funny fourth season six million dollar man you want to talk about a mustache man <laughs> I don't know why he's wearing that mustache it is this trimmed thin I don't I don't know if they like hey the ladies are gonna love this or if he's just I want a mustache and. This is a – you don't got a show without me. So if the stash yeah. goes, so do I. Yeah. But It's mustache or nothing, man. Yeah. So Fall Guy I really enjoyed. I love that show. I didn't um, watch a lot of it. I watched it whenever I could. I think it was a Friday night show, but it was like later. And so if I got to stand, you know, stay up, I get to see the Fall Guy. It was like a 9 or a 10 o'clock show. But yeah, love that show. It would be neat if 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 the uh, like IMDb would list shows when they you know when they play when they aired yeah yeah like you know what what time slot and stuff like that you know I I kind of like going along with just my my shady memory though <laughs> so I guess but know. I mean it would be nice to to have it at some point I mean maybe it could be something you could have or not have I'm just saying it would be nice to have yeah for something yeah. well I, I I'm sure you can find that information on Wikipedia. Because they do give a lot of production details like that. So, yeah, but then I'd have to actually look stuff up. <laughs> so then you had Knight Rider two thousand TV movie that he created the characters for. So he, at this point, once we leave the eighties, Glenn Larson's career really doesn't do a lot. No, um, you're getting a lot of you know failed movie. Uh, uh, or you know, failed TV plots that they make into movies. My understanding that was what Knight Rider 2000 was, but I'm looking at now the the file here, and I don't see his. He doesn't have as big of a. He's he's not really driving that up. No, no, he wrote. No, no, he's listed as a writer because he created the characters for the script. So, um, but you do have one thing. You have a two season series called Nightman. Mm-hmm. Based on the Ultraverse comic book character, yeah, Nightman. bizarrely enough, 
Um, I know you weren't expecting that, but that's just the yeah. way it went. Here's the thing with Nightman. That actually was one of my first – not first. One of my favorite. It was the first comic series from the Ultraverse that I ever watched or ever ever read but it was my favorite one of my all-time favorite series of all time just in general mm-hmm. i love the ultraverse those comic books i have the entire run of all of them um from it was right after i stopped collecting oh really yeah because this is when image is starting right and then you have the ultraverse kind of comes along and it's like image is fa- is is based on image and ultraverse is based on writers and right and that's what drew me in. I love the Nightman series. And then with eBay, I was able to collect everything. That's cool. So, Yeah, I had, I had lived through the late 80s, the mid to late 80s, where you had all these independent companies coming into into being and you know publishing one issue and then fading away. And then another one would publish two issues and fade mm-hmm. away. And every once in a while, you would have a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that would you know outlast the others. But just – you know. We, endless supplies of you know first issue first issue first issue first issue and then the company just disappears so then in the 90s when you had image and you had some of these companies coming up and they were successful they started to do stuff like multiple covers and they yeah, really yeah. started to get into the gimmicks and at that point I'm like I'm I'm not going to pay 250 each for four different covers of something that, you know, I'm just going to put in a bag and never read anyway because, you know, they're collector's items. So I said, you know what? This is a good time to get out of this. <laughs> so yeah. I did miss a, a whole bunch of good stuff in the 90s, but, you know, and I with, don't know. With the Ultraverse, their whole thing was writers are our gimmick, but then they too, they had the hologram covers and they had the, you know, the, the collectible cards and stuff like that with some of them. Mm-hmm. But, but anyway, the, the Ultraverse... They also have the the. It's nice because there's a definitive beginning and end. Uh, it's not a great beginning and end. The the beginning is really great, but then Marvel bought the company, and then ended up you know, canceling the line. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's nice. I, I I I've read the entire output of a universe. You know, it's it's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, the TV show, not that good. <laughs> Really not that great. What was what was wrong with it? Nothing was wrong with it. It was a '90s syndicated action show, and so this is along the, the time of uh, Tech War and oh, okay. Kung Fu. The legend continues. Okay, for the night. Yeah, like yeah, and, and kind of right before you kind of got into some of the um, where they were able to do cheaper graphics, and so you could have Hercules: The Legendary Journey or whatever. Um, <laughs> With Kevin Sorbo, and so you're able to have the 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 action was able to be a little more palatable, and they also tended to be a little more tongue in cheek at with with that point. But with Nightman, end of the '90s, um, it just was cheesy and you know, cheesy '90s action, and and there there's really not much more to add to that. It's just he had a, a suit. He was kind of an Iron Man type of character because he had a suit that let him fly and had all these different things. But then he had the added power of being able to sense evil thoughts or bad, you know, it, it just it, it just wasn't done real well. It, it just it was perfectly serviceable for a 90s syndicated show where, you, you know, you turn on the TV on a Saturday evening 
and it's going to be there, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, oh, you know, I can sit and watch this for an hour and, or, you know, turn it on while you're getting ready for your date, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> getting ready for your date? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is college for me. Actually, no, 97. That's when I got married, isn't it? Does you Does your wife know? Know what? That I was getting ready that for my date. you were watching this while you were getting ready for dates with her. I didn't actually watch it when I was getting ready for dates with her because it was on, I think, WGN out of Chicago, and okay. I couldn't get that channel. It was only when I was at my grandparents' house that I could watch this show. Now I'm just saying. I'm just saying yeah. this is the kind of show that you could do that with. Got it. All right. Yeah. All right. Never released on DVD. Never will be probably. And I, <laughs> it's on YouTube, but. Yeah. And after that, you get into really, there's nothing. I mean, you have some. It's all producer type stuff that comes down, comes from him having created something earlier. Right. Like Team Knight Rider. (laughs) (laughs) Which, well, Team Knight Rider was another of the uh, late 90s syndicated action. Mm hmm. And it lasted a whole season. I watched some of those, and they weren't that great. But you had, like, five cars with different personalities and drivers. And so you had a truck and a car, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have, you know, the remakes. You're getting into the new Battlestar Galactica, the new Knight Rider that was on NBC, um, Caprica even. Those are his listings, but he really wasn't doing too much with them. Right. And my understanding is even he didn't necessarily like them that much but i don't know would you if you if you created something that was like you know all this intricate stuff that you put in it and then someone made something as different as battlestar galactica from you know 10 years ago was it just seems like weren't you guys watching (laughs) you know i mean well i it depends it depends i would have i would have not been i i guess i could see your 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 point there because he did put a lot of himself into that and that's actually a lot of what they took out was the individualized uh you know spirituality and and you know they took out some of the cheesy goofiness i don't think he'd mind that but you're right with some of the themes and stuff because I, <laughs> I, I was trying to think of well, how would i feel if someone took armor quest and took out all of the christian symbolism right i wouldn't mm-hmm. be too happy about that because then it's not armor quest anymore um, but they kept the main idea, and I think that they ended up building something that was stronger than the original. Um, maybe I shouldn't say that because we're honoring Glenn Larson. But <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I mean, you you can say that. I mean, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants is what he did for a living. So <laughs> that's true. That is true. So someone so, stood on his shoulders and produced that thing. Yeah. But, yeah, so we just walked through basically my childhood uh, using Glenn Larson as a map there. And, um, yeah, you can blame him for a lot of a lot of things that I was into and uh, that influenced uh, some of my storytelling and, and things that I enjoyed and, and that kind of thing. So... Or if he didn't influence it, maybe it was that he was pulling on those strings. Like Battlestar Galactica 
came about because of Star Wars. I loved Star Wars, so it makes sense that I would have gone and been attracted to Battlestar Galactica as a four, five, and six year old boy. Right. So. Yeah. And even older, you know, with, with reruns and stuff like that. So, yeah. Well, Steve, I think that that, that kind of wraps it up there. We've, we've talked about that. What can we pull from this? What can we learn from this? Because, you know, there's... I think one positive thing that we can pull from it is he was a Mormon. He made this thing and still he had the the wherewithal to to put out something that had something to do with his spirituality. And it's something that, you know, has lasted longer than, than he has. You know, yeah, he's, it, he's, it, it had creative staying like, power, yeah. Yeah. So when we as Christians make stuff, we have to be aware that other people are doing that, that other people are subtly and sometimes not so subtly and <laughs> purposefully and sometimes not even purposefully. They're just doing it because you know they, they are putting forth a worldview that is non-Christian and that's just the world they live in. So they're not actively trying to subvert Christianity. It's just whatever they're doing just happens to do that anyway. Um, but we need to be intentional as Christian creators to put forth Christian worldview in, or at least have it inform our stories. You know, not mm-hmm. to not to play in their sandbox too much without being able to pull it back and say, hey, look, you know, I'm, uh, I'm writing a Dracula story, but, you know, guess what? It's, it's, uh, looking deeper into the the religious, why do religious symbols, uh, you know, bother him, and that type of thing, and then you can pull it back to show Christianity, et cetera, et cetera, and it's still a Dracula story. It still fits into the whole genre, but you're examining it now in, in more in a more Christian light, or you know, when you're doing anything, be intentional because someone is going to be influenced by it one way or the other, most likely. Uh, unless it's something that I've written, which, you know. <laughs> well, but Steve, I, I would take that last bit that you just said there about someone's going to be influenced by it one way or another. I would say then be aware of that as you're looking at your legacy. And mm-hmm. whether or not it's things you've written or or what, you know, you, and it, it may not be nearly as wide as his was. His legacy reached out, you know, from Los Angeles to, you know, this little kid in the backwoods of Ontario. You know, it, it reached that far, and and millions of people watched the things that he was creating and that kind of thing. But looking at this guy's legacy and the way that he kind of connected with me as him being a storyteller and me being a story consumer, especially as a child, um, there's you need to be aware of that. You need to be aware that no matter who you are, unless you are literally living in the backwoods of Ontario alone, you know, just living off the land, you are leaving a legacy and you are connecting with people and touching people as an artist. You're doing so even more, you know, even if it's not with that scope that he had. And even if it's like you're saying, Steve, that you don't have one, well, you do, you know, anyone who has consumed your material, that might be your kids who have sat and on your legs, you know, and listened to you tell a story, or it could be, you know, the people that, that you worked with on a project that never got published or something like that. But your, 
you know, the smallest scale of storytelling that's been handed off to someone else, there is a connection there. And be aware of that. And and be aware of your legacy beyond art, uh, you know, and just in in life. You are connecting with people. And if you're not right. if you're not connecting with people, I'm just gonna say you're you're doing something wrong. You know, you've that's that's just a part of I'm not saying you need to be, you know, doing street evangelism or something like that. You know, to, you know I, I'm saying that. Okay, I'm well, saying you need to do that. <laughs> I'm saying that you need to be connecting with people in your neighborhood. Right. You need to be connecting with people in your 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 circle of influence. You need to be connecting with people, and and as you're connecting with people, being aware of you are leaving a mark on their on their life. I think that's the takeaway from our discussion here that I'm I'm kind of walking away with. Um, right, and yeah. And the other thing, there's some cool stuff. He did some fun stuff that I still look at. Um, Night Rider is on one of the other nights on that same channel. I don't catch that every week. Uh, I don't have a chance to, but every once in a while, I've caught some really funky, weird stuff on that show. <laughs> um, I caught the beginning of when they dug a car out of the sand. That was kind of fun. But I also caught one where it was the Halloween episode, and they were totally just ripping off as many Halloween movie tropes as they could including but not limited to the opening teaser was a person in a gorilla suit (laughs) strangling a woman but it's being viewed by the the mechanic woman from from the truck from 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 the night industries or whatever but it's it's rear window She's standing in her window looking across the courtyard and seeing this happen and no one believes her that she saw this happen. And and then you have music cues that are straight from Halloween. It's just like, oh my goodness. They're throwing it up against the wall, all of it. The final the final thing, uh, it ended with uh, David Hasselhoff, Michael Knight, going to a Halloween party dressed as Rhett Butler, <laughs> complete with mustache. And so he's doing wow. the final chase and <laughs> like that. And oh, and then just for good measure, he's chasing someone else and he goes to Turbo Boost to go and and jump over a truck that pulled in between him and the person he was chasing. The truck is a window truck. And he turbo boosts <laughs> right through the windows. I mean, I'm watching the show and thinking this is cheesy, but it is fun. There is just a wow. lot of fun to be had there if you can let yourself. Ah. Another takeaway. Let yourself have fun. Go ahead and be cheesy if you're having fun and being genuine about it. How's that sound? Yeah. Genuine cheese. Genuine cheese. Not this fake American stuff. American cheese. That's not even cheese. It's cheese. It's cheese product. How can they make cheese in America? It just doesn't make sense. No, no. You got to be eating like I'm talking about cheddar cheese. Yeah. Okay. I think we need to let that go. Let's just not talk about cheese. Yeah, we, we went a little too far with that one. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, any final words then, Steve? I do. I have a personal quote from Glenn Larson. Ooh, I want to hear it. You don't think... I'm sorry. <clears throat> you, <laughs> it's misquoted here. It says... Uh, I, I'm... I'm uh, they, they, what? When I read it, when I read it the first time, uh-huh. it made sense. But now that I'm actually reading it, it's it's misprinted. <laughs> well, let's hear it. Let's hear it. It says, "I'll read it." The, I'll read it. What it says, and then we'll the way it's printed. It says, okay, yeah. 
the way it's printed is you don't think you talk about science fiction, you do it. Okay, so what do you think it's supposed to say? You don't talk about science fiction, you do it? I don't think you don't think or talk about science yeah. fiction, you do it. Or maybe Yeah, that works. Maybe at, or at the very least you don't talk about science fiction, you do it. That's how I read it the first time. You I don't talk uh, about science fiction, you do it. Th- it works though. You don't think or talk about science fiction, you do it. You do it. You know? The longer you talk about it, the less value. Wait, so that so basically he is saying we shouldn't be doing this podcast? Yeah, we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't be talking about science fiction. We should be doing Thank you for the uh-huh. for tuning into the very last episode <laughs> of Strangers and Aliens. There will be you know 142. We'd like to thank Glenn Larson for <laughs> for shutting us down. Okay, well, I have a quote, Steve. Yes. From me. Thanks for listening, everyone, and Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Steve MacDonald, and Dr. Jace O'Neill. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you will find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangers or you can leave us a voicemail on the Strangers and Aliens hotline. Just call 1-804-37-ALIEN and leave your message. And once again, thanks for listening.